Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. All of us can testify to the goodness of God and uh, something that overwhelms you to think about, to try to ponder His kindness to you and uh, how it's continuously poured out upon you and I. Uh, but certainly we can lift our hearts up and say thank you, praise Him and adore Him for what He's done for us. And that seems like so little, uh, seems so inadequate, uh, but we'll never be able to get it told what He, truly be able to explain His goodness, truly be able to express our gratitude. Uh, but I do thank God for His goodness this morning, and uh, I know you do as well. And I uh, thank God for, for that this morning. And uh, kind of to flow from that, our message will this morning, in Joel chapter number 2, uh, one of the minor prophets, uh, the Old Testament, Joel chapter number 2. I'd like for you to turn there with me this morning. As you do, I'll uh, share with you as a reminder, next Sunday, Lord willing, uh, we'll start a series of messages on prayer, uh, something that's been on my heart to do. And, and so, we, remember, we studied through Galatians, so in kind of a different kind of study, if you will, where we're taking a topic and we'll look at various places in Scripture that speak about prayer. We'll begin next week, probably look at an example of prayer in the Old Testament and maybe a couple of examples of people praying. And then in the New Testament, look at our Lord and the things He taught about prayer. He prayed in John 17, uh, taught His disciples how to pray, and then there's some doctrinal truths given throughout the New Testament about prayer. Not that we'll look at every single time prayer is mentioned, uh, but highlight a couple of things, and I think I love the caption there, building intimacy with God. That's the essence of prayer, and I feel like so many people's prayer lives are, are weak, and mine included, uh, not what they could be, uh, especially when you read about people of old who I think set a powerful example of what it is to pray, to be faithful in prayer, and um, so I'm praying as we study prayer that God would help us to grow in what it means to pray, to be people of prayer. I think anything we want to accomplish in this life for God has to come through prayer. And uh, so it's something that uh, is often neglected but shouldn't be. And that's what will bring us to that study. But that will begin next week. For this morning, we're going to be in Joel chapter number 2. And I just want to read verses 12 through 14 as you find your place. If you'll stand with me this morning, uh, once again, to honor and reference the word of the Lord. Here the Bible says this, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Uh, thank you for giving us truth, God, in the pages of the Bible that we can live by, that we can base our life upon, that we can trust in. And Father, help me this morning to declare what thus saith the Lord and nothing else, Lord. Help me, uh, God, rid the thought this morning of my opinions and my approaches and my viewpoints and perspectives. But God, I pray that what I say this morning would truly be what you say today and your word would go forth in power and in authority, Lord. I pray that you would be honored in the way that your word is handled today. God, that you'd be glorified and worshipped, um, Lord, this morning. God, I pray for hearts today, Lord. No doubt there's many situations this morning where repentance is needed. 
And uh, Father, I pray for each one this morning that you'd make us aware of areas where there's sin, areas where we need to repent, and God help us to do so. Lord, as, as the counsel is given to us in the text, not to rend just our garments, but to rend our hearts. God, I just pray that you'd make the word cause us to respond in the way that you'd have us to. Lord, help us to hear the word with humility today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. When you come to the minor prophet Joel, as, as really with most of the prophets, the minor ones or the major ones, and most of the context of all each of their books is, or is that the people of God had been caught in their sin. And that's exactly what has happened and what has spurred the prophet Joel to begin writing. Judgment is now coming. People, a group of people have been caught in their sin, and now judgment is coming. And that's what Joel has become here to pronounce as he's writing here in these pages. The judgment that he's speaking of, interpreters explain it in uh, two or three different ways, but we'll see an insight into the judgment that's coming upon this, the God's people for their sin in verses 1 through 3 of chapter number 2. Joel writes, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is not at hand. Here he describes that what is coming, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A, fi a fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yet and nothing shall escape them. Chapter number one even speaks of locusts that's coming, and when I said that people interpret that different ways, some commentators will say that there's a literal locust coming and that when it speaks about a fire devouring them and behind them a flame burneth the land when before the locusts come it's like the land is as beautiful as the garden of Eden would have been but once they leave it's like a desolate wilderness some people say that's figurative to speak of an army that's coming of the Lord is using the locust, the description of locusts to as figurative to explain men that's going to come in extreme numbers to bring judgment upon the nation of Israel, and some say there's a combination of both, that God would literally send a, an army of locusts, the literal uh, pestilent, or, and then also some of the references are to an army. But regardless, what we know is this, there's judgment coming on the people of God, and as you gather from those three verses, it's not going to be good. The fire, a fire is coming, dark, it's going to be a day of darkness and gloominess, judgment is coming on the nation of Israel, the land of Judah, for their Sin. And one thing you and I today need to be sure of is that judgment will fall upon sin. It may not come today and it may not come tomorrow, but God will and must judge sin because that's who He is in His perfection and in His perfect righteousness. Joel here stands now. He has been sent by God as a watchman to sound the alarm. Joel, the Holman Study Bible says, Joel was a spiritual watchman, sounded the alarm just as other prophets did. Jehovah warned the people through his spokesman, Joel, from Zion in Jerusalem, from the mountain where the temple stood. Now that God is ready to act against Judah's sin, Joel is telling them what they need to do. They have their sin in their life, and it has not been dealt with, and Joel is telling them exactly what needs to happen. And to 
say it very simply, they needed to turn back to God. They needed to, to turn their heart back to Him. And that's what you need to do today. That's what I need to do today when there's sin in our life that has not been dealt with, that has not been addressed, has not been confessed then the, the only thing there for us to do is to repent of that sin and to turn unto the Lord. And that's what I come before you to express today. Though, though, as Joel sounded the alarm, I want to sound the alarm in your life because there comes, time, there comes a time when we all need that ministry of the Word of the Lord. The alarm sounded where things are going on in our life and we know good and well that there's things that should not be going on that are taking place where there's things in our life that God is pointing out that should not be there, that should not be true about our life, but there they are. And what is it we are to do when we're called in those moments where we're to repent and to turn back to the Lord? As, as I thought about that, for whatever reason, those infomercials came to my mind where they, they make you feel like you need to act now, like you're going to run out, they'll put a, a countdown on the commercial and say you need to buy in this amount of time or you're going to lose the deal that you could have. Make you feel like you need to act now. Well, Joel's message is is similar to that is in the sense of urgency. Joel was saying this is coming. But then he shares these words in verses 12 through 14. So I want to call on you this morning. As he's calling on the people of God regarding the sin in their life, I want to call upon you and I want to act as a spiritual watchman to sound the alarm in your life. If there's sin that is present, I pray today that God would use his word to deliver you from that. So what should you do when you've stepped away from God and into sin? What should I do when I've stepped away from God and there's sin that's been present in my life? I've, I've committed an act I should not commit. I've done something I should not do. What's the next, what's the next steps? Well, in verse number 12, we need to return to the Lord now. He says, therefore, in verse number 12, also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. In that, we see such a, as it's going to refer to later, we'll highlight it then, but you see in God's statement here, the, the call He's given through Joel, you see such kindness, such compassion, such long-suffering, and that even though they have been caught in their sin, clearly they have aroused the anger of God because of their sin, because of the judgment that is coming. God's response is not run, get away as quick as possible. God's response is not you are hopeless, you will get what you deserve now. That's not God's response. God's response to the people of God or God's call to the people in spite of their sin is therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye unto me. And that's what the Lord is saying to you and I this morning is yes, you may be called in your sin today. Yes, there may be things in your life today that should not be there, but hear the word of the Lord. He is not saying today that you are hopeless, that you are beyond help, but He is calling upon you today to repent of your sin and to turn back to Him today. It's not something that can be delayed that you can afford to put off, but God says, therefore, also now. Regardless of the fact that that sin was present in their life, God says, right now, you can repent and turn from that sin and turn unto me. God wants you and I, and God wants to be in a, a place of fellowship with us. And so he says, also now, even though that my judgment's coming, even though my anger's aroused, he still says there's an opportunity for you. There's an opportunity for me. I think a good question to ask, though, is what, what could have the glory that God does that we would want to turn our back to Him in the first place? What is it that has our attention more than... God does. 
think it shows how misguided our interest, how sinful, to say it most accurately, our hearts can be, that we would ever want anything more than we want God. That it's ever true that our, if, for sake of illustration, God is here and I, as the text says, turn to Him and I, whatever it is, has my attention. What is it? How misguided can our hearts be that we want whatever this could be so that our back is turned towards God? What idol keeps your back turned toward God? What is it that you love and adore and value more than you love God? Whatever it is. You see, I've mentioned before, but a lot of times we see idol, the worship of idols in the Bible, and we think, well, I don't do that. I don't, I've never bowed down to an image. I don't. But anything we love more than God is an idol. It could be ourself. It could be a even our family, it could be things that are good, it can be good and are good, but things that get out of place. Whatever it might be that has your back turned towards God, God says, turn from that and turn to me. The ESV translates that opening to verse 12 as yet even now. God says, judgment's coming. I am not pleased with your sin, but even now you have an opportunity to repent. So no matter how sinful you are, no matter how far you feel like you've gone, no matter how bad you might feel like you are, listen to the word of the Lord. He says, repent, turn from your sin, and turn back to me. It's not too late is what he's saying. It's not too late. Second Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. And this is given in context of people saying, well, where's the Lord's return? He said He's going to return and everything's continued the way it's gone on since He gave that promise. So is it... Why is it not return? And in response to that, Peter writes, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you ever wondered why the Lord hasn't returned as of yet, according to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, it's according to His loving kindness and His long-suffering, He's given people an opportunity to repent, to turn away from their sin, to turn away from their rebellion, and turn towards Him. So He gives us this opportunity when we see that sin is in our life and we see that there are things there in present that should not be, we have an opportunity to repent. But also in verse 12 and 13 as well, we see that Joel is calling on us to return to the Lord with sincerity. He says, Turn ye even to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garment." And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. The Lord is not asking for a part of your heart. The Lord is not asking for me to be, again for the sake of illustration, somewhere on the, in the, on the fence, and this side's over here is the thing that, that, that tries to steal the throne of my heart, and And here's God and me kind of be somewhere here on the middle in the fence. No, God says, return to me with all of your heart. With fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And those words, I think, clue us into the sincerity. The weeping, the mourning shows that this person, it shows a genuine, someone who is genuinely broken over the sin in their life. Genuinely have a sorrow in their heart, in their in their life over their sin. Something that should always scare us is, we can, when, is when we can sin without remorse. That's dangerous territory. 
the words mourning and weeping. The word mourning especially means wailing or lamentation. It's a word of intensity. This person is clearly someone who is, is clearly not describing someone who's going through the motions of repentance. As he says, rend your heart, not your garments. It was typical for people of this day that as a sign, an outward sign of their, their mourning, they would rend their clothes, they would rip their clothes as an outward sign of mourning. What God says is, I'm not interested in you doing that if it's not reflective and resemblant of something that's going on in your heart. You can rend your clothes all day long, but if there's not a genuine internal spiritual brokenness over your sin, then God says, I'm not interested in that. He says, don't rend your clothes if your heart is not ripped also, but sin will cause a brokenness. It should cause a brokenness. I thought about that. I thought about Psalm 51. As you read that Psalm, David that you can hear the brokenness in his heart over the sin that has taken place in his life. He's not complacent with it. He's not happy about it. He's not brushing it off. He has no intentions of ever going back to that sin again. He is broken over his sin. And that's the place that you and I must come to about our sin, that our hearts are heavy, that there's a remorse, that our hearts are ripped because of our sin, because we have trespassed against the God who loved us and against the God who saved us. A lot of people, I think, know how to go through the motions of repentance. And here's how you can know if you're going through the motions of repentance or not, is if you go back to that, whatever that thing was, then it's going through the motion. I understand this morning that, that uh, in repenting of sin, that there's a struggle that can take place there. It's not always an easy and a quick and a simple break. But if there's a constant circle, if you will, it's evidence that it might not be so sincere. I think God certainly desires a genuine and genuine brokenness over our sin, a true internal sorrow. That we recognize our sin as, as a trespass, rebellion that we've committed against God. It's not a lot matter. It's not something to brush off, but it's Serious, And therefore, we should return to the Lord with sincerity. That we genuinely want God more than we want anything else. That we refuse to have our back turned to Him because whatever it is that had our attention before no longer has our attention. So be careful not to go through the motions. Even coming to the altar, a lot of people, that's, their, that's a place and I full-heartedly support that. An altar is a place to come and, and exercise repentance. But that even that can become a place of outward rending your garments, so to speak, if you leave from the altar and go back into the exact same thing that you come to the altar to repent for in the first place. I have to be mindful of just going through the motions. God says, I'm not interested in that. He says, rend your hearts. Not your garments. They could, in other words, the nation of Israel may have uh, been ripping their garments every time they got a new set, but God says, you're still doing this stuff that I said is not according to my will. It was not genuine. It was not, it was not real. But then this morning, lastly, Joel calls on us to return to the Lord because of who he is. He says this, turn unto the Lord in the middle of verse 13. Turn unto the Lord your God. Why? Because he's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. 
And so Joel asked this question, Who knows if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering to the Lord your God? The term gracious, I thought was powerful when I looked it up. It means or defines an attribute of God as hearing the vexed debtor, which means that basically that God hears those who cry out to Him in sincerity, no matter how bad or how far gone down the wicked path that they have been. God hears those who cry to Him in sincerity because He's gracious. He's merciful, which means He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger, which means God does not act impulsively. God does not bring wrath and judgment overly quickly like me and you often do. God is of great kindness, which means He has an abundance of goodness. So the question I pose to you this morning is, if God is these things, and certainly He is, how can you and I be convinced that He will not hear you and not show you compassion? Take it into the situation of Israel. If they would repent truly to God. Turn away from their idolatry. Turn away from the things that had their attention. And fully and wholeheartedly turn to God. And knowing that God is gracious. That God is merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness. That draws us to Him. Or should draw us to Him. I think the most powerful reason I can give you this morning to repent and turn unto the Lord is because the Lord is all these things described here in these verses. In other words, this morning, if you repent and turn to God with all your heart, no matter what your background is, what your story is, God will show you graciousness. God will show you mercy. God will show you compassion. God will show you goodness because He is full of those things. God, if you come to Him, God will show you kindness. He will hear you and He will show you compassion. And knowing these things about God, how can we in a right state of mind, persist in our sin. As Joel says, who knows if God will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him. God does not repent in the sense that we, we do. God does not repent in the sense that he made a wrong choice initially, now he needs to correct it. But God in his sovereign will may choose to change his mind to relent. God may choose to show mercy in his Sovereign will rather than send the judgment. In this particular instance, rather than leave destruction from the locusts, God may choose to leave a blessing behind as it's described here in these verses. If you look in chapter number 1 and verse number 9, it says, The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priest and the ministers mourn. And verse number 13 says, Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests. How, you ministers of the altar, come, lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God. He says, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of your God. I read those verses to make the end of verse number 14 matter and make sense. He says, Lord, and my Lord might leave a blessing behind him. And the fact that it might be a meat offering or drink offering, offering is significant because it says, according to verse chapter number 1, that that had been stopped. There was no meat offering. There was no... Drink offering. In other words, what I'm telling you today is that God, you have hope in God through repentance. Without repentance, you dismiss your hope this morning. If today this message, if today this service, if today the circumstances of your life finds you and you know that there is sin in your life, if you are a sinner and have never trusted Christ, have never repented 
in the sense of turning to Him for salvation. Listen to the Word of the Lord this morning. You have hope in Him because of who He is, because He's gracious and merciful and slow to anger. He will not turn you aside and cast you off. He is these things as they're described in the passage of Scripture. Think about the city of Nineveh as a powerful example of what can happen through repentance. God had sent Jonah there. God sent him there to sound the alarm to the people of Nineveh. And when Jonah finally went, of course you know the story, Jonah went back and forth, and there's a lot to learn from Jonah, but Jonah eventually went, called them out, sounded the alarm, and Nineveh responded with humility. And because of this, Jonah chapter number 3 and verse number 10 says, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, repentance. They turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. I'm telling you this morning, there's hope in repentance for you. In 2 Kings, I was reading through it recently, in chapter 21 and verse number 9, King Manasseh is told about evil, evil and an awful king. The Bible describes him as a man who did more evil than many of the evil nations that they conquered. He was worse than many of the pagan, awful nations that they conquered. This man who led God's people was worse than all of them. And because of that, his judgment fell. He was taken off to, as a captive to Babylon. And then in 2 Chronicles 33, 12 and 13, it says this, and when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Repentance. He humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him and was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. God honored the repentance evil, even of this evil, terrible man named King Manasseh. God showed him grace and God showed him mercy. God showed him that he is full of great compassion. Even Psalm 51 of David encourages you and I towards repentance. In other words, don't persist in your sin. Don't dismiss your sin. Know that God will welcome you in when you show genuine and true repentance. The problem, though, with Israel and Judah is that they never truly heeded any of the prophets' alarms. Not truly. They never truly repented. They never truly turned to God. They never truly tore their heart over their garment. And because of that, they were taken off into captivity. What you and I have to address this morning is will that be the problem with us today? That we just will not heed the alarms. If you will, this morning I'll ask you to stand with me as our musicians will come around. Ms. Tamara, you can begin to play as you get prepared. And I want you to bear in mind this morning that because of their stubbornness, You'll hear it referred to as hard, hardness in the scriptures as stiff neck is what Israel had. They refused to listen. Refused to listen to God. Something always had their heart more than God did. Because of that, they were taken off into captivity. They faced judgment. Just like all sin will. But the text reminds us this morning who God is. Reminds us that He's gracious, that He's merciful, He's slow to anger. 
let these characteristics of God draw you back to Him. Many people, if you have turned your back on them and done them wrong and you came back to them, they wouldn't hear of it. They would just see, they would just assume sin judgment. They would just assume. A lot of people would love the opportunity to, to, to not show you mercy in that situation, but that's not who our God is. He'll honor genuine apprentice. When you turn back to Him, He will be gracious to you. There's something in your life today that needs to be dealt with. Remember, He says, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, it needs to be dealt with. I don't know what it might be that you could love in your life more than you love God. We all get places where we have things so out of order. But whatever it is that's got your attention off of God and on the other thing, where the Lord has reminded us this morning to turn to Him. Let Him be the one who has all your attention, all of your adoration, all of your love. As Mark comes around and leads us in a song of invitation, if you need to respond today, please be obedient to the call of the Lord. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.